On today's episode of Relative Currency, there's a pattern of banks going for growth and not really paying attention to risk and not managing risk well and really not uh, accounting for it at all in their in their strategies. Um, and so it's exposing, I think, uh, an underlying defect in the American banking system and whether the Fed steps in or whether a more successful uh, uh, bank with more longevity and greater holdings acquires one of these uh, banks, there is still an underlying problem that is not being addressed and not being dealt with. Brother, sister, and cousin, we've been relatives for a while. We're chatting about financial things, we're doing it family style. Cryptocurrency, stocks, and loans, financial literacy. It'll be that and so much more on Relative Currency. Currency, fine-tuning financial literacy for the middle class. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Relative Currency. I'm Frank here with Treffin and Alicia, and we're so glad you could join us today. If this is your first time joining us, please subscribe. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and all other major podcast platforms. Uh, in addition, if, if you're coming back, listening again, welcome back. Thank you for listening. Thank you for support. Uh, continue to give us a rating, five stars preferably and uh, a nice review if you don't mind. So um, again, just really excited to be here. Um, you know, there's a lot of things going on. Uh, again, on relative currency, we always try to kind of address the financial literacy um, for the middle class. And so one of the things we've been hitting everybody, um, certainly even if you haven't hit you personally, you've been seeing the news is these bank failures. And, you know, recently in the last six weeks, we've had three major banks fail. We've had Silicon Valley Bank, Silicon Valley Bank, Signature Bank, and just recently, as of us recording this, First Republic. And, you know, in a nutshell, you know, banks fail all the time, but I think what's concerning, and, and Alicia, I want to bring you in on this, is it's not just that banks fail, of course they fail. It's the fact that now we, in a short succession, a short period of time, we've had major banks failing, um, and it seems to be a precedent that, um, you wonder, can FDIC bail out every failing bank? What kind of cascade effect could this have? What can people do to overcome, to uh, mitigate these uh, financial times that we're living in? So just like to hear what you uh, think about that. So it's shocking to say the least uh, to see this many major banks with uh, large holdings of assets fail. And uh, the interesting psychology of, of how this happens is that when there begin to be murmurings, um, for example, with Silicon Valley, after their practices were exposed where they had not prepared adequately for inflationary pressure, pressures and were forced to sell off uh, a number of assets at a loss very quickly, which they were transparent about, um, but it did not uh, generate a positive response. And so people will think, 
okay, my, my assets are in danger uh, and they will money from the bank, which will then ensure that it will fail. And so we've seen this play out and it's notable um, because there were many clients that had their whole payroll and their entire business assets, millions of dollars that were bound up uh, in, the, in the bank, in the case of Silicon Valley. And so to head off a panic, um, you know, the federal government stepped in and said they would make everybody whole. Um, in the case of First Republic, there was a, a different strategy that was employed where uh, Chase Bank uh, took over and essentially acquired all the assets and liabilities of First Republic, which then um, would be protective of uh, those who were holding assets with the bank. The problem with all of this is, is that there is going to be ultimately um, a cost to the entire citizenry, whether directly or indirectly, because I'm just gonna be watching. I bank with Chase and I'm sure that fees are gonna go up um, and that we'll see other costs passed on to us as consumers, even though we may not have uh, had anything to do with the failure even though we did not hold assets with First Republic. Um, and I also think uh, based on some of the reading that I did that we're likely to see uh, another major bank failure. The, these asset holdings of these banks uh, is quite large um, and it's very concerning. They fall into a, a mid range that basically had experienced some deregulation um, over the past five or so years uh, with changes in administration and changes in um, banking, banking law. And they fell into a zone where they were, the oversight was either minimal or minimally enforced. Um, I was reading something that was saying that Silicon Valley Bank had something like 31 red flags, which the typical number is, is 10, um, and that they were being maybe nudged in the right direction, uh, but there's a pattern of banks going for growth and not really paying attention to risk and not managing risk well and really not uh, accounting for it at all in their in their strategies. Um, and so it's exposing, I think, uh, an underlying defect in the American banking system. And whether the Fed steps in or whether a more successful uh, uh, bank with more longevity and greater holdings acquires one of these uh, banks, there is still an underlying problem that is not being addressed and not being dealt with. No, I think that's that's really good. Um, you know, Treffin, I know I know you're out there uh, in, in Beijing and China. Uh, you know, what what has the international feel been of these bank failures of, of, of some of these financial crises? Uh, 
you know, internationally has what what is has there been any you know kind of murmurings or things from China? I know that there's um, moves they've made where they've made alliances with different countries due to kind of you know not use the U.S. dollar. One of them being with Brazil. Um, and there's another country that I can't, that comes to mind that I can't think think of, but certainly uh, you we can see some international movement away from the U.S. dollar. What 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 are you seeing and feeling internationally? I'm definitely not a, a China expert. I didn't major in this, but there's an amazing guy on YouTube. Uh, I met him actually in Beijing. His name is Tony, and he runs this uh, YouTube channel called China Updates. China Updates has lots of information about what's going on with U.S. China and uh, as far as economical stuff and things like that in China. Uh, and of course, there are a lot of other sources too that you can look at, but is far as sources go i would say china updates tony he's a very he's an unbiased kind of guy when a lot of news that you're going to get from china could be very biased either leans towards um, what we call panda huggers are kind of panda haters and you know the news has just kind of got a lot of noise and stuff there but um it, as far as work goes there are a lot of people who are finding it difficult, and we're talking about local Chinese, to find work. So there's this movement of young people going to these prestigious universities within China or coming back even from going to Ivy League schools in the States or really good schools in America and just not working, just not um, because they're unable to get jobs. So there's a, a term, again, my Chinese is not so amazing, but the term has something about lying flat. The idea is you just stay at home, you, you lie down on your couch, your parents are always going to take care of you here. That's part of the culture is living with your family till you get married and you're, you're okay. And even though you're not able to find a job, it's kind of become this culture now when everyone understands that you're not going to get work. So you wait for your family. You wait for your family to sell your home. You wait for your family to buy you a new home, and you just kind of lie flat. So the the term is something like lie flat in Chinese. And people my age, people who should be either like at the high level of their career or even the mid level of their career, they're finding it almost impossible to get hired if they get laid off or if they get fired, because who wants to employ a middle-aged uh, man and or woman because you're you're going to have to pay them a really high amount. You don't know that they have the experience and stuff in the industry. So that's one thing as far as uh, work goes is the hiring and the firing process and things like that. Um, I have a lot of friends that work for ByteDance. And I don't know if you guys know the company ByteDance. This is part of the whole Silicon Valley magical working for tech and things like that a lot of them are getting laid off and it's pretty much what's going on in the states is happening here either at the same time or in a slower progress i'd say so i don't know any place that has released the numbers of how many people from ByteDance have been let go but I know it must be significant enough um, to compete with what's going on with Facebook and Microsoft and Amazon and all these other tech companies. But um, I'm, I'm not I'm not sure uh, yet because I, as far as I remember, I think ByteDance is still a, a private company, so I perhaps they do not have to release that information. Um, they know that they're going to face a lot of challenges and stuff with the 
with the economy. So the government has actually admitted that. It's not something that the government is hiding. But there are a lot of movements for the government to try to encourage people as far as um, being kind of happy and being motivated to continue to work. Because obviously this culture of lying flat not doing anything, just uh, taking the payment from your parents and stuff is not helpful for an economy. So there's a lot of, I guess if you want to call it propaganda, but it's propaganda in a way of motivating people to kind of deal with the hard times and stuff like that right now. But um, as a foreign worker, I see this, I experience a little bit, but because of a lot of the regulations that were going on in a lot of the COVID regulations have kind of made it a good market as a foreign worker still. So as a foreign worker, you're still seeing higher wages for the jobs that you would have. And you're still seeing a lot of, uh, you're still seeing a lack of competition because a lot of foreigners are scared about the whole COVID thing. And a lot of people were turned off by what was going on pretty much last year with uh, COVID regulations and stuff like that in China. So, um, I'd still say, and we talked about this before, if you're approaching recession, depression, or whether China's still a great place, I'd still say it is, but just be prepared to deal with some challenges and stuff as far as the, the culture shock and the way that they might try to deal with the changes and stuff that are happening to the world economy. All right, man, that was good, man. Thank you, um, you know, for sharing that. I think that it's interesting that, you know, the global economy certainly when you think about things happening, you know, in the United States, there are international ripple effects. Um, I will, I'm interested in checking out that China updates channel because there, I do, I do think that there are some ripple effects for the, you know, United States as far as, you know, the, the dollar and reserve currency, but that's something, you know, I will may have taken a stab at in another show, but I, I think your perspective is definitely interesting and valid because a lot of us don't really consider, we say, oh, you know, it's a problem in the United States, but you know, with the economy, the way it is, people working in different places, it's affecting everyone um, who, you know, works for these companies internationally as well. So that's very interesting. Uh, one of the things I want to say for, you know, kind of close out is, and one of the things Alicia pointed out was, you know, Chase Bank, you know, now taking over, uh, you know, First Republic, will fees increase? Will there be, you know, worse rates on loans? All those things are possible. One of the things um, that you can consider as an alternative is a credit union. I know a lot of, a lot of us have been kind of just anecdotally said banks are better, credit unions are kind of like mom and pop, but most credit unions are, first of all, all credit unions are um, nationally, um, the National Credit Union Association, NCUA, they're, it's the same thing as FDIC, it's up to $250,000. So if you have your money in a credit union, it's still safe there. And you oftentimes get better car loan rates. In fact, I my, my recent car purchase, I ended up uh, using my wife's credit union had the best rate. Um, so, you know, I think that credit unions are something we should definitely look at um, as alternatives. Also, when you have a joint account, either at a credit union or a bank, you get two times the amount. So if, if $250,000 is the FDIC limit, if you have a joint account, then it's 500. So I'm not saying, you know, if you go on a first date with somebody get a joint account, that could be its own issue. But if you're married or you have a significant other, you definitely want to look at considering getting joint accounts where possible, especially where most of your money, if most of your money, both of your, like say more than 50% of your money is going in there, you know, from your different checks, you should consider, uh, you know, protecting your money doubly in those cases. Uh, and lastly, you know, one of the other things, you know, we talk about the bank, you know, 
rather than pulling your money on your mattress, I think always look at other investments, alternative investments. You know, Bitcoin, we talked about many times, it performs well. And when I say Bitcoin, I mean specifically Bitcoin, not some crypto project with a white paper that somebody's going to get hat flagged by SEC for selling unregistered securities. I'm talking about Bitcoin, the original one. That is, that is a, to me, a great asset. Um, assuming, you know, you keep hold of your keys, don't um, fall prey to like buying it like through a service. I know sometimes it's easy to see there, there's a lot of different things coming out saying, oh, if you buy a package, you can get Bitcoin. Bitcoin is something you can own by yourself. You should own it personally. Don't fall prey to some like MLM scam where you need to buy packages to get Bitcoin and sell it to other people. That's not how this thing works. That's just somebody adding a layer on top to get money, which is what you don't need certainly in this time. So um, those are just a few things to consider. Um, again, credit unions, getting a joint account, either at a credit union or bank that doubles your FDIC or, or uh, NCUA limit if you're a credit union. And um, the other thing about credit unions, I, I wanted to point out just because I want to belabor the point, they are nonprofits and banks are for profit. So a lot of times the interest of what you'll see is you don't hear credit unions, not, not that credit unions can't fail, but banks are going to fail at a higher rate because they're going to do riskier behavior because they're going for profit. Whereas credit unions are going to be like, much more conservative in their investments, much more conservative because they're owned by members or, or they're founded under, around some principle, whether it be the military or even by a faith or something. So you don't have this push to like invest in this risky derivative market, which is often, um, you know, causes, you know, major downturns and then cause your assets to be wiped out. So those are things to consider. Um, so just want to kind of leave you with that. Um, I'm going to throw it out to Alicia Trevor. If you had anything else, we'll wrap this one. And, uh, Hopefully, you know, people aren't panicking too much about the banks and they're, they're giving them a few alternatives and perspective on kind of what's going on. I agree. I, I, I really like um, that perspective. And I think that this, these are situations that we should use as an opportunity to open up our, our mind and revisit, you know, whether it be conventional wisdom or just kind of ingrained prejudice about where we put our money to make sure that we're actually doing um, what's going to keep us in prosperity and keep us uh, progressing financially. Yeah, amen, amen to that. So, uh, Trevor, if you don't have anything, we're going to kind of wrap. So, um, just again, man, we want to thank you guys for listening. Um, again, subscribe to the podcast. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, all the major podcast platforms. Make sure you like us uh, or give us a five-star rating. More importantly, Friday night, Friday night's review. Uh, we'd appreciate that. So again, um, for uh, Alicia and Treffin, I'm Frank. We'll see you guys very soon on an episode of Relative Currency. Thank you for listening to Relative Currency. Please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and other major podcast platforms.